Gaslighting is when someone is manipulated by psychological means. Through the use of misdirection, denial, lying, a person or person's beliefs are slowly destabilized and eroded, usually for some nefarious reason. It's a term that's come up in the zeitgeist recently, and Brick Moon Fiction wanted to set our writers loose on exploring the contemporary or future possibilities of gaslighting. Brick Moon Fiction presents Power Through by Lauren A. Forey Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle Friday Dashboard Steps 3,802 Walking and running distance 2.12 miles Health data body measurements weight 185 pounds Health data vitals heart rate 140 BPM Today 9.27 PM Trevor pressed two fingers to his sweating neck and felt for the carotid artery started counting the beats but lost track. He wiped a hand across his forehead and dried it on his jogging shorts, still stiff and unwrinkled from the racks at Dick's Sporting Goods despite his run, and compared his iPhone to his Fitbit. 140 BPM. So they were synced, but was his heartbeat honestly that fast? The cat hopped onto the counter and paced between the Keurig and the sink. I'm not that out of shape, am I? She responded with a long meow that meant she agreed, she disagreed, or she didn't care and wanted her food. I appreciate your concern. The cool air of the open refrigerator felt good against his skin, and he stood there with his face next to a half gallon of milk and the opened pouch of cat food, listening to his heartbeat and trying to align the sound with the numbers on his Fitbit. 140 BPM. That couldn't be right. 2.12 miles. That really couldn't be right. Wasn't the loop at least five? A soft battering ram collided with the back of his ankles. Sorry. He scooped up the cat with one hand and retrieved her food with the other, knocking the fridge door shut with his shoulder. The cat devoured the gravy-coated chunks of chicken as fast as he could dump them in the bowl. With a purr in her throat, she gobbled while he drank more water and read the headlines that flashed across the smart fridge's touchscreen display. Twenty-seven injured in Osaka building collapse. Senator Tomlinson announces no vote on health care reforms. Phillies land all-star outfielder. He skipped to sports, ignoring the rest, and drew up a mental grocery list. More cat food, he remembered. She was supposed to get two and a half pouches a day. Daphne would kill him if she knew he'd been underfeeding her. Plus milk, protein powder, spinach leaves, avocado, and bananas. He swiped the news away and pulled up the order menu, tapping on each item and selecting a delivery window. $42.12 total, 2.12 miles. He calculated the route wrong, that was all. 140 BPM. He pressed his fingers to his neck as he went upstairs to shower. Maybe his pulse had been that high. Maybe he was that out of shape. No big deal, he announced from the balcony to the cat. I'll power through. She did not respond. Saturday, dashboard. Health data vitals heart rate, 92 BPM. Today, 6.43 AM. His first real weekend in months. No meetings, no golf outings or benefits, no phone conferences. He had the time to do with as he pleased, and he was spending that time scrolling through the sleep app on his iPhone. His resting heart rate shouldn't have been that high. He found the answer in the data. He'd tossed and turned most of the night. Was it a bad dream? He scrubbed a hand through his hair, fingers glancing over the thinning patch on his crown. He couldn't recall any dreams, 
and he thought he'd slept quite well until he looked at the app. He sat up and looked for the cat at the foot of his bed, but she wasn't there. Well, then he must have turned a lot in his sleep. She was almost always there when he woke. Not always, but more often than not. He must have disturbed her. Though he'd been planning on getting up, he decided it wouldn't hurt to rest for a few more minutes. The pillow cradled his head as he checked his emails. One from Misha with a draft of the official response. He'd leave that for Monday. Another from Brashear, a simple well done with a thumbs up. A third from Rhiannon, subject line, please read, with three links in the body, CNN, BBC, Al Jazeera. He swiped left, sending it to the trash folder, and opened Safari where he scrolled through Fox News and MSNBC, his eyes drifting shut despite the encroaching sunrise. Dashboard. Steps, 3,743. Walking and running distance, 2.01 miles. Health data vitals heart rate, 141 BPM. Today, 6.03 PM. How had he decreased his overall distance after adding five minutes to his run? How? While staring at the stats on the Fitbit, he reached for a banana, his body desperate for calories. His hand gripped a potato. Trevor looked at the counter. There was his Nutribullet. There was wheat bread. There was the plastic tub of protein powder he'd ordered yesterday. He'd ordered bananas, too, hadn't he? When he unpacked the delivered groceries that morning, hadn't there been bananas? Weekend protests outside Senate offices as... New cancer treatment promises hope. He swiped the news away and pulled up the order history. Milk, protein powder, spinach leaves, avocado. He checked again. No bananas. There was, however, an additional order placed at 2.03 a.m. A leave p.m. delivered earlier today at 5.13 p.m. Trevor found the small box on the front porch, half hidden by his potted boxwood. He thought back to last night, his sleep stats from this morning. His knee must have been bothering him from the run, and he got up for a painkiller and couldn't find any because of course he wouldn't. He had thrown them all out. Clean living, his new motto. He could power through any pain. The cat weaved through his ankles as he carried the box inside. Cat food. Shit. Hadn't he ordered cat food either? He left the box on the kitchen island and dug out the old box of dry food from the bottom cupboard and filled her bowl. As she ate, he placed a new order through the fridge, making sure to press bananas first and adding cat food second. Sunday. Dashboard. Health data vitals heart rate. 98 BPM. Today. 6.43 AM. It took him three times to find the snooze button, his finger hitting the screen everywhere but. Disoriented from the shock of sudden waking, he started climbing out of bed before remembering it was Sunday. He didn't need to go to work. Why had he set his alarm on a Sunday? He looked for the cat as if she could supply the answer and found her lying on the floor, legs curled underneath her. Their eyes met and she darted from the room, as if spooked by a ghost. Trevor collapsed against the pillows and ran his hands over his face, which felt sweaty and greasy despite the cool air in the room. When the sleep app told him he'd been tossing and turning again, he searched his memory for a bad dream but found only blank space. He debated going back to sleep, but although he couldn't remember whatever dream had troubled him, the thought of sinking into sleep had a darkness to it, like there was something waiting for him down there, like there was a reason his dream had been forgotten. No, that's stupid. And without the cat there, he felt even more stupid talking to himself, 
He again swung his legs over the side of the bed, flexing his toes against the carpet. Since he was awake, he might as well stay awake, get a good start to the day, be productive, unpack a few more boxes, maybe finally hang those pictures. After a shower, he went downstairs, made breakfast, put on sports radio, and tidied up while he waited for his groceries. Local family seeks funds for cancer treatment, hundreds of thousands set to lose health insurance. Senator Tomlinson's office refuses further comment at this time. He tapped on sports, but the headlines refused to change. What was wrong with real buttons? Who didn't like actual buttons? He gave up, turned off the screen, and went to unpack. The delivery window came and went while he organized his old law books and some half-used office supplies. Amazon Grocery had never missed a delivery window before. But he hadn't normally placed orders for a Sunday. Maybe the Sunday drivers were a little more lax. He turned the fridge's screen back on and checked the status of the order. But there was no order because an order had never been placed. Monday. Dashboard. Steps 104. Today, 8.54 a.m. Check this, would you? He shoved the Fitbit and his iPhone into Rhiannon's hands. Her arms, already laden with a stack of green and manila folders, had to shift their grip. Unable to juggle it all, she dropped the paperwork onto the nearest desk. Problem? she asked. It's not working right. You synced it on Friday, didn't you? Like you asked. Well, then it's not working. Right out of the box? It should be. She tapped a few buttons on each device, then shrugged and handed them back. They're working fine. You're sure? A hundred percent. She gathered the files. Everything all right, Trevor? Trevor stared at the dual screens, eyeing the matching numbers. Yeah, fine. Weird weekend. What weekend? Nothing. Forget it. Just thought it was more steps from the parking lot to the office. She shifted her hold on the files, using her chin to help balance them. If you're that concerned with your step count, you could try parking further away. Suppose so. If you need a good walk, you can head down to Misha's desk. He's been looking for you. Wants your approval on the draft he sent over the weekend. I figured. Unless, he says, you want to revise. I don't. Oh, and Brashear pushed the meeting up to eleven. Wonderful, he thanked her and continued down the hall. Rhiannon called after him. Rough weekend, you said? Huh? Never mind, but you might want to freshen up a little. She grinned and vanished behind a cubicle wall. Before reaching his office, Trevor slipped into the men's room, glad to be alone there as he examined himself in the mirrors. He'd thought he'd looked fine this morning, that he'd slept well despite what the app said. But examining his face now, he could see what Rhiannon must have seen, the little lines under his eyes, the extra wrinkle in his forehead. He took a long time straightening his tie. Dashboard Steps 5,745, walking and running distance 3.04 miles, today 9.46 p.m. No, you're wrong. I ran at least five miles after work. The cat stood up on the counter and stretched her back, unamused by his outburst, and vanished from the kitchen. Hey, Siri. The phone beeped. How far did I run today? You ran a total of three miles. He shook his head. Hey, Siri, what's the length of the Rock Creek Park Loop? The length of the Rock Creek Park Loop is two and a half miles. Are you serious? I thought it was five. 
I swear I read somewhere that it was five. Siri didn't respond. Trevor opened the Wikipedia link Siri had found, and there it was, 2.5 miles. He tossed the phone onto the counter. He could have sworn. Whatever. It didn't matter. He didn't care. He'd run the loop twice. His knee felt fine. Yeah, he'd power through and run it twice. He reached for a banana, but his hand came up empty. He'd forgotten to order bananas again. Thursday. Dashboard. Health data vitals heart rate. 102 BPM. Health data vitals weight. 178 pounds. Today. 9.16 a.m. Everything okay? He jumped at Rhiannon's voice, smacking his hand on his desk. Sorry, didn't mean to scare you. You didn't scare me. Startle, then. She set a stack of files in his inbox and glanced at the window where the sounds of the people out on the pavement trickled through. You sure you're okay? Yep, thanks for these. He patted the files, glancing at his phone's dimming screen. Rhiannon checked over her shoulder, then lowered her voice. I know Brashear pressured you on the decision. If you're not sure, we can... The only thing I'm unsure about is why we need a new water cooler. What's wrong with the two we have? They're not big enough to place a bottle under. And if you're confident, that's good enough for me. I'm not saying you're... She trailed off and winced. Tell me. Rhiannon closed the door behind her, blocking out the sounds of phone calls and fax machines. I shouldn't say anything. She bit her lip, then spat out the words, Okay, but I will, but only because of Daphne. The word circulating the most is spineless. He grabbed his phone and opened a random app, staring at the screen without reading. Who's saying that? No one. Some people. Some of the people outside. Most of the people outside. Most people. He closed his eyes and chose his words carefully. I know what my position is, and I won't be coerced by pressure from outside or inside this office. If that's what helps you sleep at night, no problem. I support you. Rhiannon. But have you read any of the articles I've sent you? Any of the letters or the telephone transcripts in these folders? When he didn't answer, she dropped another file onto his desk and walked away, the steps of her heels softened by the carpet. Dashboard. Steps, 9,530. Walking and running distance, 5.07 miles. Today, 9.59 p.m. Two laps around the loop. That's what he'd set out to do, and he'd done it. But his legs felt like jelly, like he'd run ten miles, not five. He rooted around in the fridge for a bottle of water and stretched out his knee. It felt fine, he thought, just tired. He rubbed the kneecap trying to detect if there was any hint of pain hiding underneath the regular fatigue. The bottle of Aleve PM he still couldn't remember ordering sat on the counter in front of the bananas that had finally arrived yesterday. He would take one if he had to, but it was better to power through the pain, like when he had a cold. He never needed any NyQuil or Mucinex or Colese, and he certainly never wasted a doctor's time. Even now, when the thought of sleeping, of conjuring dreams he could never recall lingered in his head like the shadow of a bad memory. He knew he'd be fine. He screwed the lid back onto the water and stuck the bottle in the fridge. Treatment hopes dim for Jordan family. Senate health care vote remains close. Protests continue around the city. And checked the other notifications on his phone. Three missed calls. No one ever called his private number, so how had he missed a call? Let alone three. 
Let me guess. I've recently applied for a payday loan. He tapped the phone app. All three calls were from Daphne. No voicemail. His thumb hovered over her number. The cat leapt onto the counter, her swishing tail knocking over the bottle of a leave. Trevor scooped it up before it rolled onto the floor and closed the phone app. He didn't need to call her. If it was that important, she would have left a message, or at least sent a text. He carried the bottle with him as he went upstairs for a quick shower before bed, absentmindedly rubbing his knee. Saturday. Dashboard. Health data vitals heart rate. 101 BPM. Health data vitals weight. 173 pounds. Today, 7.42 a.m. He'd meant to get out of bed an hour ago, but couldn't lift his body from the mattress. Last night's run had taken everything out of him. He thought he'd push himself to run the loop two and a half times, but clearly that had been a mistake. After the day he'd had at work, he thought it would help with the stress. Now he felt stressed and sore. In the dreams. There had been dreams this time. His memory of them uncertain, though their uneasiness lingered. Something to do with weakness, of his body failing, reaching with nothing to grasp. But it meant nothing, the after-effects of a long run. He looked up his sleep stats and ran through the data. He'd only managed to reach REM sleep once last night and had woken at least twice. Yet there had been that one dream, at least. While trying to open the Safari app, he accidentally opened his work emails and cringed. The first lines of Misha's final email from yesterday contained enough passive aggression to fuel a real housewives reunion. Why had he ever let Daphne introduce him to that show? He closed his email, but now thoughts of work and Daphne occupied his mind, and he found himself scrolling through his usual websites for articles to distract himself. Articles that would support his position and counter Misha's concerns. But there was nothing new since yesterday. He switched to Facebook, but amongst the status updates of old college friends and colleagues was nothing but clickbait. Shocking footage of Osaka collapse. Little girl cries when she sees this, but you won't believe what happens next. Senators caught taking bribes. How they defend themselves will shock you. Actually, it probably won't. He tossed off the duvet, scaring the cat, and listened to his bones creak as he rolled out of bed. The coffee brewed slowly, dripping out of the Keurig at a rate inversely proportional to the speed of his heartbeat. The lack of sleep weighed heavily on his eyelids, but he knew if he tried to go back to bed, he'd lay there awake. So he waited for his coffee and fed the cat and tried to will the pain from his legs and lower back. When he went to throw out the cat food packaging, there was already an empty pouch in the trash can. Had he already fed her that morning? He needed to start sleeping better. Maybe a new mattress... The Keurig clicked off, and he let the mug warm his hands before taking a sip. He shouldn't be drinking coffee with his heart rate that high. Daphne would tell him off for it if she knew. But his heart didn't feel as fast as his Fitbit said, even though his shaking hand suggested otherwise. One cup wouldn't hurt him. One cup would be fine. He'd power through. News headlines flashed across the fridge screen. Fresh reports of natural disasters in countries he didn't care to visit. A celebrity breakup. Jordan family holds fundraiser. A little girl hosting a fundraiser at Arby's to pay for her chemotherapy. Trevor waited for the screen to move on to the next story, but it remained paused on the image of the bald-headed girl smiling despite the dark circles beneath her eyes. This little girl surrounded by cheerful Arby's employees and two people who must have been her parents also smiling. 
but there's the same smile his mother would wear when his father pointed the camera in her direction. Smiling because she had to. Smiling because there was nothing else she could do. Parents shouldn't have to smile like that for their kids. He didn't know where the thought came from. It popped into his head the way the cat would appear in the corner, sudden and unbidden. He chalked it up to a bad night's sleep, to staying up too late on his phone. But he couldn't deny the thought had Daphne's voice. Another two missed calls yesterday. None so far today, but it was early. Why not call her back? At least see what she wanted. But he couldn't make his thumb press down on her name. He sipped his coffee and swiped across the fridge's display, but the image remained frozen on the screen. He pressed the menu button, the forward arrow, the back arrow, even tried to shut the screen off, but it wouldn't respond. The girl's smile looked more and more tired, her parents more and more forced. He reached behind the fridge and pulled the plug. The constant hum died, the silence strange. He counted to ten and plugged the fridge back in, leaving the kitchen before the screen finished rebooting. He didn't care. He needed to go for a run. He'd power through. Wednesday. Dashboard. Health data vitals heart rate, 102 BPM. Health data vitals weight, 168 pounds. Today, 7.35 PM. The walk to his car seemed far too far. Why did he insist on parking so far away? For the extra steps. He wanted the extra steps. Wanted 15,000 steps a day and somehow wasn't managing it, even when sneaking out the back entrance, walking the perimeter of the building. How had he not managed it? Ever since the move, he couldn't get back into a routine, couldn't reach his goals. He wanted to curse right there, out loud, very loud, in the parking lot. But there was Misha walking a few steps ahead, so Trevor kept his mouth shut, powered through his frustration. He was there. He was almost there. He was falling to the ground. His knee buckled underneath him and he couldn't grab the nearest bumper in time. His phone skidded across the tarmac, the grit scuffing his palms. Hey, you okay? Rhiannon crouched beside him, offering him a hand up, but Trevor pushed her away, pushed hard enough that she had to fall backwards to catch herself. Jesus, Trevor. I'm fine. Yeah, clearly. He could hear her rolling her eyes, but didn't look looked only at the phone he examined for cracks or scratches. You were limping, she said. No, I wasn't. Okay. It's only my knee. It's a little sore. I thought you said you weren't limping. As he rose, she rose, her arms crossed, messenger bag over her shoulder, and for a minute, in the light of the street lamps, he saw her as someone else. You don't have to keep checking up on me, he said. Sorry for seeing someone fall in a parking lot and offering my help. Won't happen again. I mean hovering around my office. Asking after me every five seconds. I'm fine. And tell that to your best friend tonight when you call her. I'm fine and she can stop calling me. Rhiannon furrowed her brow. Daphne's not calling you. Want to see my missed calls? Trevor, she's not. Maybe she just doesn't want you to know. She uncrossed her arms. Maybe. But if there is one thing I'm certain of, it's that she wants nothing to do with you. Trust me. Trevor laughed. It sounded vicious, even for him. Yeah, okay. He could feel his heart rate rising, the last thing he needed. Trevor, you don't look well. I'm fine. No, really, you're pale. 
and as much as you deny it, I can tell you've lost weight. Everything's fine. I get it. He shoved his phone in his pocket. I've got to go. Just see a doctor, okay? I mean, you have insurance. Might as well use it. I can even make you the appointment. He stomped down the parking lot, purposely putting extra pressure on his right knee. I've got to get my run in. Trevor, tell Daphne the cat's fine. The two laps of the loop went quickly, so he added an extra half. His knee throbbed so badly by the end he could barely press on the gas pedal to drive home. And somehow he still hadn't reached 10,000 steps. Saturday. Dashboard. Health stats vitals weight. 167 pounds. Today, 8.13 a.m. The Listerine burned the inside of his mouth, erasing the aftertaste of vomit. His stomach remained sore from the cramps and spasms, and, as he rubbed his hand over it, he could feel how hollow it had become. With great caution, he finally left the bathroom and returned to his bed where the cat had taken up residence on the left pillow. She remained there as he plopped down beside her and allowed him to scratch her ears. The low purring soothed him, and his muscles felt as if they'd started to unravel. He'd been drowning. In the dream, it had felt like he was drowning, but not in water, something else. And his ears had been ringing, like his alarm clock had been going off and he couldn't stop it. He couldn't stop anything in the dream. He felt himself drifting again, and drifting felt like drowning, so he sat up and took his phone and scrolled through Facebook. A story popped up on his feed. He didn't recognize the little girl in the photograph because she had hair. Then it clicked. The Arby's girl... She died yesterday before her family had raised enough money for the next round of treatments. The money they did receive would now be put towards her funeral, the rest donated to charity, maybe passed on to another little girl or boy who needed chemo. Trevor felt sick again, and before he knew what he was doing, Daphne's phone was ringing. A groggy voice answered. Hello? It's me. There was a long pause. He heard bedsheets shifting, a light clicking on. Trevor? Yeah. What is it? Is something wrong with Muffin? He scratched the cat's head. No, Muffin's fine. Okay. Another long pause. He pictured her in bed, short hair sticking up in the back, a pillow crease on the side of her face. Trevor, why are you calling? His stomach cramped. I thought you wanted me to. What? Through telepathy? No, I... You've been calling all week. I thought it must be important if... Trevor, I haven't called you. He stopped petting the cat. Daphne, you've called me ten times in the past week. I really haven't. Did you give someone your old number? You just called me, so no? He closed his eyes. I don't need this right now, Daph. If you could just be honest for a minute... If I recall, being honest was the problem. A sigh, a glass clinking as she drank from the water she kept on their bedside table. I haven't called. Okay, if that's what you want. Rhiannon told me about work. If you're stressed, this has nothing to do with work. More silence. Another sigh. I'm working the night shift this week. I just went to bed and I don't want to deal with this right now. Or ever. If you don't want to believe me, fine. And if you are that stressed, maybe you should be talking to a doctor, 
not a second-class nurse with an unrealistic point of view. His own words stung him. I'm not... I guess I was wrong about telling you to keep Muffin. If she's not going to teach you anything about compassion, you can send her home. Bye, Trevor. She hung up. He was too tired for her mood, her games. He was also starving but afraid to upset his stomach and too tired to get out of bed. But what bothered him the most was that he couldn't figure out why she was lying. She's embarrassed, he told the cat. She doesn't want to admit she called. But to reassure himself, he opened the call log on his phone. He scrolled up and down three times before he understood what he was seeing. The only call to or from Daphne in the last four months was the one he'd made that morning. Monday. Dashboard. Health stats vitals heart rate. 103 BPM. Today, 3.47 a.m. He hadn't slept at all Sunday night. He had to work today, and he needed to sleep. He needed to sleep and to stop scrolling through Facebook and go to bed. He needed to stop scrolling. He needed to stop. He needed to stop reading. He needed to stop reading the condolences page. He needed to stop reading the condolences page of little Mackenzie Jordan and go to bed. He needed to stop seeing her face when he closed his eyes. He needed to stop drowning. He needed to power through. The phone left a dent in the wall when he threw it across the room. Friday, 9.32 a.m. He dangled his feet over the paper-covered examination table, swung them back and forth like a child. 9.33 a.m. His phone stayed tucked inside his jacket pocket. The old Timex on his wrist told him nothing but the date. On the wall across from him, a poster warned of the dangers of heart disease. The man in the stock photo reminded him of his uncle. 9.34 a.m. The poster beside it mentioned various payment plans for medical treatment. He thought payment plans were for cars and mortgages. 9.37 a.m. The doctor entered with a laptop containing his chart and greeted him with a smile and a handshake. Trevor returned the smile and waited to hear which incurable disease he had. The doctor had to repeat herself. I said the tests couldn't identify any underlying physiological cause. She handed him the results. You're perfectly fine, Mr. Tomlinson. I've lost twenty pounds in two weeks. Yes, but... My blood pressure was through the roof. You said so. Yes, but... And my resting heart rate is in the high nineties. Actually, it's not. It was seventy-four at your visit on Monday. But, the doctor leaned forward in her chair, all the tests came back negative, Mr. Tomlinson. We can run a few more, but I'd like you to consider that the underlying cause might be psychological rather than physiological. I'm losing my mind? No, but your symptoms point to stress. A significant amount. Given your job, that's understandable. I'd like to refer you to a colleague of mine. 9.55 a.m. He handed his credit card to the receptionist, tapping his fingers on the counter as he waited for his payment to go through. I'm sorry, Mr. Tomlinson. Our system is acting up today. It's fine. The woman at the counter next to him, coat fraying at the sleeves and hem, was crying, trying to keep her voice low. But I don't have that much. 9.56 a.m. Near the waiting room TV, an elderly couple held hands a large Ziploc bag of pill bottles in each of their laps. A man in construction gear coughed as he counted out crumpled bills from his wallet. A young woman with a sweating toddler at her feet kept glancing in her purse as she struggled to fill out a form. He glimpsed the word payment at the top. 
A child with a knit cap covering her bowed, bald head sat in the corner, swinging her legs. The woman in the frayed jacket continued to cry. Is there a cheaper option? I'm sorry, but your healthcare provider hasn't approved the generic version. His card was handed back to him. Sorry about the wait, sir. Is there anything else I can do for you? The crying woman took the child in the knit cap by the hand and hurried out of the office. Busy day? he asked. Pretty typical, actually. Just have to power through, right? The receptionist smiled. The same smile as Mackenzie Jordan's parents. He returned his card to his wallet. Monday, 8.57 a.m. What happened to your Fitbit? Rhiannon appeared at his desk with an armful of files. Wasn't working for me. She opened her mouth, but he held up a hand. Don't ask me if I'm okay. She mimed zipping her lips and set the files on his desk. Before you go, I need you to draw up a statement. That's Misha's department. I know, but I'd like you to do it. All right. She pulled out her phone, ready to take notes. What will we be stating? I've decided to vote in favor of the revised health care bill. Rhiannon opened her eyes wide as if she'd been shocked. You're going to vote what's it on the who's it? Exactly what I said. But Senator Brashear and the rest of the party... I know what the rest of the party is doing. I've changed my mind, and I've decided to vote for it. She nodded. Okay. Okay, statement's on its way. She paused at the door. Mind if I ask why? I took up running again, like Daphne suggested. Running in your forties, she whistled. Doesn't that wreak havoc on your health? Not if you do it right. Besides, it's given me time to think. Must have been a hell of a run, he told her about the loop. Jesus Christ, Trevor, you know that stretch of the loop is five miles around? It's two and a half. Five? Check Wikipedia. You've been running close to a hundred miles a week. No wonder you haven't felt well. She opened the door but hesitated, a nervous smile on her face, fingers tapping the doorframe. This is going to make a lot of people around here happy. Really? Here? I thought only Misha. Well, she shrugged. Everyone here has family, but not all of those families get government health care. Anyway, statement. She held up her phone with a little wave, then left him alone. He tried to get back to work, prepare for the ass-ripping he'd be getting from Brashear and the party chairman, but something in her words made him walk to the window. He looked out into the office and watched her exchange words with Misha. Misha smiled. Had he ever seen Misha smile? And whispered to another staffer. Word spread around the office. A nearby staffer opened a new tab on her computer, it looked like a Wikipedia page, but then his view was blocked by another staffer leaning over her cubicle with a cup of coffee. Trevor returned to his desk. He tried to ignore what Rhiannon said, but in a few minutes he was on Wikipedia, reading about the Rock Creek Park loop. The page said it was five miles. Trevor shook his head and closed the browser. He could have sworn it was two and a half. He hadn't thought to check what time the page was last edited. Lauren A. Forey, a frequent contributor to Brick Moon Fiction, was brought up in the woods of Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where her FBI agent father and book-loving mother raised her on a diet of The X-Files and R.L. Stein. She earned her MFA in creative writing from Kingston University in London 
and was awarded the Faber and Faber Creative Writing M.A. Prize for her first horror novel, The Compulsion. Her debut novel, Abigail Hall, a psychological thriller, is available from Black and White Publishing. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or visit us at our webpage, brickmoonfiction.com.